Welcome to the Hello First Name Podcast. The Hello First Name Podcast revolves around the term personalization and is brought to you by marketing author Rasmus Holin, founder of Omnichannel Institute and chief experience officer at the marketing automation software company Agilic. The podcast is based on the book Hello First Name. Each episode is based in turn on a chapter from the book, followed by a discussion of the very same chapter with an expert marketing practitioner in the following episode. As always, you can buy the book on Amazon or other bookstores. You can also choose to listen to it all for free on your favorite podcast service. You're also very welcome to download the abstract of the book for free, and all models, of course, are able to download. All downloads are sponsored by Agilic. I'll make sure to put a link to everything in the show notes. But you can always connect on LinkedIn, and I'll be happy to reply and help out. Chapter 9. Personalization in Campaigns Throughout the discussion of segments and messages in the previous two chapters, there has been an almost unavoidable undertone around working with campaigns, and for good reason. It's time to draw our first set of conclusions on what matters the most within personalization in the major marketing disciplines, in this case, campaigns. In this chapter, we'll define the term campaign and draw conclusions about how personalization is used to optimize campaigns and what kind of value creation you can expect. This is all about tying together the upper part of the bow tie of personalization. Defining the term campaign. All these definitions, are they really necessary? Doesn't everybody know what a campaign is? Well, yes and no. In this book, we follow the distinction between campaigns and customer lifecycle communication as introduced in Rasmus Holin and Colin Shearer's book, Make It All About Me. The book says, For many companies, marketing campaigns follow the production cycle, and quite often the production cycle follows the four seasons. This is not wrong, and it does help to increase relevance that autumn-related products are marketed in the autumn. On top of the seasonal track, you'll have the yearly blockbuster locations, such as Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Singles Day, Black Friday and Christmas. It continues. These tactics are all company-centric and follow a campaign mindset. You know the date is coming and prepare the best campaign possible across paid and owned media. Hopefully, you're using data where you have it to select the right audiences in paid media and to personalize the message to each customer in owned media. In addition to seasonal campaigns and big blockbuster occasions, you'll probably have, and should have, one or several weekly newsletters all depending on how frequently your customers tend to interact with your services or shop with you, of course. A grocery store's customers will interact frequently. A pension company's customers will interact infrequently. Since the send-out times for these communications will depend on the current date and time, we also define these as campaigns, albeit miniature versions. Customer lifecycle communications, CLC, on the other hand, is triggered by behavioral data, or potentially a lack of it, from your customers. We'll cover CLC and marketing automation in chapter 11. Value creation in personalized campaigns. So how then is value created in personalized campaigns? First of all, the time span of campaigns is relatively short. The longest campaign period in many countries is probably the Christmas sales, which lasts for around a month or more. This period begins shortly after the effects of Black Friday and Cyber Monday have waned and lasts until Boxing Day or just after Christmas. Shortly after, or at best even within a campaign period, you'll know whether you're doing well and be able to see the return you're getting for the extra time and resources you've potentially invested in your personalization efforts. Seasonal campaigns have been the default marketing tactic ever since Eve was selling apples in the Garden of Eden. It was an autumn campaign, by the way. The conclusion of a marketing campaign is the default time for evaluating its effects. 
as marketers, we are used to this fairly short time perspective when we are making up our minds on whether a campaign activity was good or bad. In contrast, the effects of CLC and marketing automation should be evaluated over a longer time perspective. Again, this will be explored in Chapter 11. Value creation for personalized campaigns come in four categories, namely 1. Increasing sales to prospects and customers. 2. Increasing the efficiency of campaigns by reusing dynamic logic for content. 3. Saving costs by optimizing ad spend and avoiding returned orders and dissatisfaction. 4. Charging money from suppliers through retail media. Increasing sales to prospects and customers. When you are aiming to increase sales to prospects and customers by using personalization in campaigns, the lowest hanging fruit is naturally to craft one creative message per major customer segment. This message should then be adopted for use in each communication channel. Let your creative team decide which of the classic marketing segments will most likely respond best to personalized copy, tone of voice, images, etc. in your key message. You can also consider using value-based segments to personalize which price points of products to include or, in the case of charities, how much money to ask for in your plea. With regard to paid media, there are several things you should consider doing. They all rely on your integration of customer segments built on first-party data into paid media ecosystems. A draft plan could look like this. 1. Increase your bid on paid media for higher potential customer segments and their behavioral twins. See Chapter 7 that the advertising platforms can identify. 2. Match the creative messages shown in your advertising to the specific segments. 3. Start display and paid social advertising a few days before turning to the more conversion-oriented search engine marketing and owned media, such as email, SMS and app push. 4. Remember reminders for non-clickers and non-buyers. If your offer is especially good and or time-sensitive, then consider using the more intrusive SMS or app push notifications for reminders. According to Jesper Holm Pedersen, head of loyalty at the Danish sporting goods retailer Sportmaster. The increase in top-line sales from the above personalization tactic for a campaign can easily be as high as 100%. They also see click rates tripling and sales doubling when campaigns are handled in this manner. Expect 30-50% to of this effect to come from the personalization of content to different segments and the remaining part from intelligent orchestration across channels. According to Dorte Carlson, previous head of data and insights at the media company Storyhouse Egmont, they saw a cost per acquisition of 30% of normal spend when they prioritized advertising for previous subscribers, thus leaving more budget to chase totally new customers. Your previous customers could very well be your high potential prospects. Keep in mind that there will be diminishing returns from additional creative versions for each segment. If you have so many variants that they start to look alike, then it's probably not worth it. Increasing the efficiency of campaigns by reusing dynamic logic for content. During the 2022 Winter Olympics, Warner Bros. Discovery optimized the content of emails to fans in many different ways. Dynamic blocks of content were put together by feeding relevant content based on the recipient's preferences. Using data on the previous behaviors of each recipient, different leaderboards were shown to each individual containing the teams and sports the algorithm believed were most relevant to them. The send-out logic and the segment was the same but the content within the email was dynamic. For a specific dynamic block of content, which dynamically put together the medals table for each recipient based on their nationality, there was a saving of 75% in production time. Saving costs by optimizing ad spend and avoiding returned orders and dissatisfaction. Obviously, cost savings aren't the primary goal of a campaign. However, you can also use personalization tactics to save money on campaigns, or at least save yourself from unnecessary cost and trouble. 
The first personalization trick to pull in this regard is to exclude existing subscribers or customers who've recently purchased from an upcoming campaign. This is done once again by sharing customer segments built on first-party data with the paid media advertising networks, this time configuring them to exclude set segments from all paid acquisition marketing. Needless to say, customers who already have a health club subscription won't buy a second one. And customers who have just bought clothes at full price need not be made aware of the fact that you are now offering 20% off. Should they receive such a communication, the chances are that they will return the item they've just purchased and buy it again with the discount. That will leave you with all the handling costs and most likely the customer will still be irritated. You could also consider excluding low potential customers while you're at it. Why waste perfectly good advertising budget on customers who most likely won't buy anything? You can identify your low potential segments either through predictive algorithms or using third-party data, for example through statistical enrichment services such as Geomatic or Mosaic. At the other end of the spectrum, you can also experiment by excluding customers from your paid media who have such high potential and loyalty that you believe they'll convert anyway. Or you might at least delay the adverts until you've seen who will convert using your paid media alone. In the exact same way that you can hone your effectiveness when choosing between paid and owned media, you can also choose between any media with varying costs per communication. Prioritize customer segments centrally and apply the more expensive channels such as SMS, telemarketing and direct mail for the remaining customers that you still believe it's worth reaching. The amount that can be saved in this way of working with personalization will vary greatly from company to company. For subscription-based companies though, it should almost be considered a crime not to exclude existing customers. According to Mass Jefsen, marketing director at the Danish football club FC Copenhagen, they work deliberately with first-party data in their paid advertising. For instance, they exclude all season ticket and subscription holders from acquisition ads on paid media. Their advertising tool has an approximate figure for how large FC Copenhagen's potential ticket-buying audience is. Depending on the parameters set in the tool, this audience could be larger or smaller. However, if it, for example, were in the region of 200,000 people, then excluding 20,000 people through first-party data could potentially save the club 10% of its media spend. Charging suppliers money through retail media. Retail media could easily make up a whole book on its own. We chose to include it here as it is definitely a tactic that involves personalization and where first-party data insights are used to show specific content to select customers. The difference is that this time the company gets money from doing this, not only through sales but also from suppliers in the form of fees. We refer to it here as retail media, even though any sector with suppliers and sponsors could potentially make money this way. The major players within retail media are naturally Amazon and eBay, but within the more traditional retail space, you'll see frontrunners such as Best Buy and Walmart in the USA, and Carrefour and Tesco leading the European market. Outside retail, you'll see online grocery delivery platform Instacart raising the bar, but payment services such as Afterpay and Klarna are also looking into this. The mechanism of retail media is basically to take payment for exposing select customers to highlighted products and offers from suppliers. This is done either by showing these products and offers on owned media, website, in-app, email, or simply by advertising on behalf of the suppliers. On your inbound platforms, there can be room for both offers and promotions in top-line banners and products can be highlighted in your content feeds. So-called category captainship will put the supplier's products in a sponsored placement on top of, but in line with, the remaining inventory, in much the same way as paid ads used to take up only the two top places in a Google search results page. If you're actually selling the advertised product, this is referred to as endemic advertising. If not, then it's called non-endemic advertising. 
As an example of non-endemic advertising, imagine that you sell barbecue sauce but not barbecue grills. You might then take money from Weber, for example, to advertise Weber grills to the people you know recently bought barbecue sauce. Non-endemic advertising requires specific consent under most jurisdictions. The reason that retail media is interesting for suppliers is principally that many of them, and especially fast-moving consumer goods producers, have very little access to first-party data, such as transactions. Their resellers, in this case potentially you, stand a much better chance of knowing who exactly is buying the supplier's products and who is buying the competitors, and could thus be up for trying something different. So for instance, Heinz could buy a special retail media campaign through Tesco for barbecue sauce targeting people who previously, but not too recently, bought a competing brand of barbecue sauce. A good offer there could help Heinz to win market share. A second reason that retail media is interesting for suppliers is that we are seeing a great decline in the availability of third-party data due to the death of cookies and data deprecation. As a result, traditional marketing tactics for FMCG producers are becoming less attractive. In a market where margins are under pressure, retail media can make up a very interesting new revenue stream. According to Terence Kawaya from Luma Partners, margins can be as low as 2% on groceries, but as high as 40% on retail media, presumably when you are selling your own digital real estate. Retailers we have spoken with on the topic suggest that the margins may be even higher, since the only cost is the labor needed for selling the digital property and running the campaigns. The volume, of course, is very small compared to the core business. Retail media is new territory for most retailers, and the technology and processes needed to support it are currently not very mature. The area is especially complex for retailers that also sell their own private label products. Tesco, for instance, needs to make decisions at scale about whether it is more profitable to put its own barbecue sauce in first place, based on that product's margin, versus putting the sponsored Heinz barbecue sauce in first place, with a smaller margin, but plus the media fee, and then minus the potential loss of goodwill from customers. How should the company potentially sell such a placement efficiently and subsequently sort its products across zillions of product feeds to maximize the margins? And how should the company report the effects back to the supplier? These are new questions that companies selling retail media to suppliers need to address. The effect of retail media from a supplier's perspective can be measured with much higher accountability than is possible for most other media purchases such companies make. This is mostly a good thing for the suppliers, but it also has some bad connotations. It is because, in the example above, the direct sales of the Heinz barbecue sauce can be measured on Tesco.com and reported back to the supplier. However, it is bad because this is not normally how FMCG producers measure the effect of the media spent. How do they then compare and integrate this into their existing reporting structures? In the end, however, it is likely to be very attractive indeed for FMCG producers to market their product right there and then in the moment of truth when the customer is shopping for a barbecue sauce on the retailer's e-commerce site. As of now, retail media is still in its infancy. This means that FMCG producers are still buying retail media from a campaign perspective. As in, let's do a barbecue campaign in the two weeks leading up to summer break and the following four weeks. They are mainly following the yearly cycle and the four seasons. This is why we chose to include this tactic in the chapter on campaigns. In the future, however, as retail media matures, it will also be bought and sold more as an always-on service. For example, imagine cosmetics brands paying retailers to always send a rich storytelling message with advice for usage and further product inspiration from their universe the first time a consumer buys a product of theirs. This is more in line with customer lifecycle communication and marketing automation. Maturity levels for personalized campaigns. Combining insights-based customer segments with the right messages is not anywhere near going out of style. 
even though there is a movement towards more always-on way of working with marketing automation, there will still be good business to be made by marketing to customers based on the yearly cycle, the four seasons, and the blockbuster locations, with a personalized offer to boost conversions and maximize sales. In this chapter, we have shown how to maximize profit by increasing the top line through personalization, how to optimize media spend and potentially even save money through personalization, and lastly, how to start tapping the potential of retail media and get paid by suppliers to run campaigns on their behalf. Working with personalization in campaigns is an area you can continue to become better at. In the table below, we have conceptualized three archetypical maturity levels for how you personalize your campaigns. You can use this table to get an idea of your approximate maturity level as well as a suggested scope for further development. Remember that you can download all illustrations from the book on omnichannelinstitute.com resources. For beginners within personalization and campaigns, these are the following traits. Manual reproduction of segmentation, content, and execution logic. Manual exclusions in paid media. Simple segmentation on zero-party data. Simple hello first name parametrization of otherwise generic emails. Primary messages are simple offers and discounts. Content lives in channel. Separate emails per message variant. For intermediate companies, working with personalization in campaigns. These are the following traits. Automated exclusions in paid media. Simple rule-based suppression logic in use. Reuse of segmentation and campaign execution logic. Rule-based segmentation across data types. Demographic and value-based segmentation in use. Campaigns span multiple owned channels with multiple steps. For leaders in working with personalization in campaigns, these are the most common traits. AI-based calculation of segments on all data types. AI-based match of segments with messages. Lifecycle messages and calls to action included in campaigns. Channel agnostic content production. Channel agnostic personalization logic. Wide reuse of execution logic with built-in suppression principles. Most seasonal campaigns automated. Campaigns span multiple owned and paid channels. Thank you for listening in on this episode of Hello First Name. Remember that all models and even a written abstract of the book are available for download. You'll find the link in the show notes. In our next episode, which is more classical podcast style, we'll be discussing the chapter you just listened to, namely personalization in campaigns, together with Mass Jefsen, marketing director at FC Copenhagen. FC Copenhagen is world famous within the football world for how they've managed to digitalize their business and turn unknown fans into loyal subscribers. Tune in to learn how they are utilizing first-party data and working with personalized campaigns.